When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh no, is it everywhere? No, sure. Stay and sort that out. We can have dinner another time. Amazing. Whether it's cancelled plans. Ah, Get in the kitchen and calm down. Or the need for a quick, convenient distraction. Introducing Goodfellas Mini Pizzas. Four mini pizzas made with respect that cook in 11 minutes. Goodfellas Minis. Embrace the unexpected. It is episode 63 of the bloodandmud.com podcast, your sweary pipe bomb of rugby knowledge. I am Lee Calvert, the editor of bloodandmud.com, and that gentleman leering at me over there is leering no you're not much. leering that was a bit wow. yeah that was the wrong word I couldn't think of anything <laughs> it definitely was the wrong word <laughs> I, I, I am unleeringly Josh Gardner of RugbyShirtWatch.com yes how are you today Josh um, you know same old same old apart from all the leering you do <laughs> yeah I mean I've, I've, I've had a good day of leering so you know any any day of leering is a good day for me you know so Josh is alright I'm alright how are all you lot out there have you Scottish types calmed down yet are you Welsh types still arguing amongst yourselves? Are you Irish out there suffering after your double defeat of weekend shame? And any of you English out there planning to support Saracens if you don't already? I'm saying no, but I don't know what anybody else will be saying. I would, um, I would guess probably not, but and I mean, everybody loves a glory supporter, don't they? They do, and as for the rest of you nationalities, since we've taken our country back, you're officially dead to us, so I don't care what you're doing anymore. <laughs> At least I think that's what that's what it's supposed to mean. I don't know. Yeah, I give up. Basically, um, you coming up this episode coming up this week. We've got the review of the big European weekend. We've mm-hmm. got a feature: the greatest tries never scored, which should be fun. Which should be fun. We've got a chat with a New Ze- a genuine New Zealand person, Jamie Wall, who's going to come on and talk to us about the Lions and what he thinks about it down there. And it's not even either me or Lee doing a funny accent this no, time. Right? It is actually promise. genuinely yes, or whatever. Yeah. He'll probably stay with us, Jamie, as well, to do the shit good ratings at the end because he's going to throw in some Super Rugby nominations. You can get in touch with us on this wonderful mm. pod of ours through uh, Twitter at Blood and Mud, and Josh is available via uh, 
at Josh Gardner or indeed at Rugby Shirt Watch. Yeah, or you can email us and there's the bloodandmud.com and there's rugbyshirtwatch.com and there's lots of other mm-hmm. things. The pod is available. You're either listening on iTunes. Oh, actually, no, we've had an email this week. You have to call it Apple Podcasts now. Really? Did you know that? I did not know that. Yeah. This is news to me. Yes, all of you out there as well, email <coughs> this week, Apple Podcasts, not iTunes yes. app anymore. They've uh. sent us, they sent this very big list, said it's called Apple Podcasts now. And then it was a kind of, this is the, the the logo you can use. You will not use any other logo. You will not use any other letters that come together with this logo. You will not invent <laughs> your own logo. You will not resize the logo. You will only use words like this and words like that. It was absolutely horrific. Anyway, I don't yeah, use any logos. Apple but... love to tell you exactly what to do with all this stuff, don't they? So if you're on iTunes stroke Apple Podcasts, you can find us on there. <laughs> you're also... not on iTunes anymore. That's dead to you now. That's dead to you now. Um <laughs> We're also on Acast, and you can yeah. leave a review, please, if you'd like to. Click a nice review and leave us a few comments, and that's very, is very Acast nice. Acast still Acast? Acast is still Acast. Checked? They're a very, Good. they're our main Quality hosting thing. people. They're still very nice. They're still yes. called Acast. Good. Um, and that's it. So moving on to the rest. Of, before we get started with the the, the main pod, uh, we've had a rugby lexicon entry. Oh, I do always like those. We do, yeah. Well, the rugby lexicon. For those of you who don't know, we're still we're catching up with this. And, and if you don't know, I mean seriously, have you been listening at all? For the past no, no, honestly, catch up. catch up. If you've not been involved, then all right, I'll maybe forgive you. But basically, the rugby lexicon is where we take things from the game of rugby and say, well, you can use these in everyday life, maybe to confuse your boss or to baffle a child, something like that. Ian, all that fun stuff. All that fun stuff. Ian McGilp <laughs> got in touch. Is it, is it McGilp or McGillip? I'm sorry, Ian. It's written McGilp, but it's you're a Scottish person, so it's probably got some strange pronunciation. <laughs> It's probably pronounced I, no I idea, hate mate. Warren Gatland. It's probably pronounced something like that. But anyway, it's um, <laughs> Ian McGill, Ian McGill, got in touch. And he said, a suggestion for Ruby Lexicon is Malinderic. I'm assuming from right. Jim Malander. Malinderic. I would imagine so, yeah. The feeling of being both excited and on the verge of throwing a chair through a window. <laughs> the Lions tour, and the, for example, you could use it. This Lions tour and the prospect of more people on television telling me to believe in Britain feels leaves me feeling rather <laughs> malinderic. <laughs> <laughs> he was interviewed again uh, last week when he when he lost that uh, nail biter. No, the week before yes. last. His voice becomes honestly. I've mentioned it before. I'll say it again. It is so comically Yorkshire these days. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's like he's doing a bit now, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Now then, the greatest try never scored. Now, this was inspired by what, Josh? Well, it was indeed inspired by, um, you might, if you watched, uh, well, it was very, I think we could say it was a very good weekend of European rugby uh, in the Champions and Challenge Cup. Um, And it should have been, had an absolutely stunning try scored for Leinster by Dan Levy on Sunday afternoon but yes. um, it was criminally and depressingly quite rightfully called back for a <laughs> yeah. penalty depressing but himself. yet quite rightfully yes yeah by Dan Levy himself so he's got nobody to blame but himself there um, <laughs> and it, it is genuine the other time I said on Twitter probably one of the best tries that never were ever These it was a truly scores. exceptional try yes yeah a beautiful score undone by the pesky rules or <laughs> occasionally showboating incompetence. And that did get me to thinking, what are the greatest tries never scored? And um, we were talking about this on Twitter off air. And I think the first thing that came to mind for both you and I was that score by um, Nico Matawalu for Fiji against... I say that score, that not score. Yes. Um, for Matawalu get Fiji against England at the World Cup, where... 
he got the ball at the base of the scrum and basically just sprinted up the entire wing. It was going to be majestic and marvellous and wonderful. And then uh, he knocked it on, thanks to what? Mike Brown's cover tackle. Proving once again that Mike Brown does nothing but ruin joy, by the way. <laughs> well, for you, maybe. Actually, no, I remember... Do you know what my favourite bit about that try is? It's the, it's the in-to-out step he does around Johnny May. I love that. That's so it's good, abs- isn't it? Because it's, it's just glorious. It's absolute. It's, I mean, Nicola, it, Nick, uh, Matawalu is generally yeah. a total shambles. But when he runs with the ball, it's glorious like that. Oh, yeah. He's a phenomenally, phenomenally talented runner with the ball. Um, it's, it, where is he now? I don't know where he, he is now. Bath, he was a bath. Yes. I don't even know if he still is. You have, a, you have a look for that while I talk you through my memories of that try. In yes. that... Um, I, obviously, there was a Friday night game, opening game of the World Cup, massive hype. For a start, England were wearing that ridiculous red with maroon accents kit. They were. Which is, which is you know, a, they should have been kicked out of their own tournament for that alone. But um, I remember Give he scored it. We, we took care of that, don't yeah. we? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> you tee him up, I'll knock him out of the park. No, actually, I'll t- sorry, I'll tee him up, you knock him I out of the park. I will smash it out of the park. Uh, Exeter is where Matt Wallace oh, is apparently he? playing. He's not getting much time Fucking there either, is no he? No idea. No. Um, anyway, yeah, so I remember him scoring that try, and I did. I was very annoyed, but I had to kind of, you know, almost stand and applaud at how glorious it was. And what I remember being pissing me off more than anything was that they... They teed. It was one of those situations where they teed up the conversion, and we're about yeah. to kick the conversion. The ref went, and "Oh, hang on!" Like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, yeah. And that's we. I don't want to go into that side of no. things, but that's that a classic example of yeah. you cannot give a try, then, then take it away again. I'm sorry. You got. You yeah. should have ten seconds between it being touched down. You got ten seconds to say, "Right, I'm going to ask the TMO." <laughs> yeah, make your mind up. Um. So yeah, that was great tragic yeah. but great um i threw it out to twitter earlier and yeah. um, a few of you guys who listen to the pod got in touch with some suggestions um fergal carney and a friend of the pod the black and red both nominated um juan manuel Leguizmon's <laughs> dropping the ball over the line for london irish against what no matter how many times you no matter how many times oh you watch God, that, that's good though it, isn't it it doesn't get any more brilliant and awful all of the same. It's a perfect example of why you should never ever do that. No. The whole jumping up and trying to like do the splashdown thing. No, don't do it. <laughs> yeah, because it was... that could happen. And it was actually a really lovely work try. A lovely worked. work try. Fabulously worked. When London Irish were reasonable. Over, if he'd have just fell over and slid over the line. Even in a slightly theatrical way, that would have been a great score. It wasn't even being tackled. There was no around. It's like, why are you even nope. diving when there's it's nobody there? Just bend over with two hands and touch the ball down on its end. It's fine. Yes. Um, Jamie Phillips um, recommended Mark Jones for Wales versus France. I had forgotten about that try. I forgot I'd about forgotten about it until, until I watched well, this it. Try. Yeah. Basically, it would have been one of the great Six Nations tries because he ran through the entire French team. Yeah, it was, was about it, to cruise under the posts and then got hauled down maybe an inch short and turned it over. It was an absolute heartbreaker, and it was um, it was it was one of those truly wonderful running tries. He just kept. Yeah, it would have been one of the all-time great individual because he kept cutting and, and changing ruined. direction and turning, oh, just turning them at the right time and everything just to get around them. And then he was literally fingertipped, hauled down at the end. Oh, it was horrible, wasn't it? Um, the pen, uh, other friend of the pod, Glasgow Warriors uh, fan blog, suggested that Kelly Nairavoro 
Yes, I managed to say that right. Well done. <laughs> um, running through the entire Scarlet's defence uh, for Glasgow last year, only for it to be called back for him having a toe in touch when he caught the ball. <sighs> which, given that how big a man Nairoboro uh, is, like he expended a lot of energy doing that. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't. <laughs> for fuck's sake, told, Rev, yeah. why couldn't you have told me about 15 <laughs> seconds ago? Exactly. That's energy he's never getting back. And um, but <laughs> the best one, I think, um, Owen Hatfield Scarlett on Twitter, um, the best one, at least the funniest one for me, certainly, was um, Will Carling at the Middlesex Sevens, where he's streaking in from 60 minutes and sort of goes to do that sort of casual bend down and dot the ball down thing when he's over the line, only for him to be picked up and lifted by the covering player. So he's sort of dangling in the air, trying to get the ball yeah, down. It's a blind um, that one. That's I lo- and the commentary from Bill McLaren on the video is is brilliant <laughs> yeah. as well. That is quite remarkable. <laughs> that wasn't a very good Bill McLaren. The favourite... <laughs> yeah, that, was, that was more like Taggart. <laughs> but yeah, it was a... Taggart. <laughs> Super Taggart. But... Um... The best, the best bit about that video, and I remember seeing that on a question of sport years ago when I was a kid. Mm. But the best thing about that video is Carling's face when the sun, the dawning realization of what's happening <laughs> yeah, happens to him, and yeah, he's somehow he's trying to like throw his weight the, downwards, yeah. but he can't yeah. do it. And he's and he he keeps pointing the ball towards the ground as if he can get his arms to <laughs> extend or something. And you think that somebody would have like tried to kick it out of his hands at that point, but no, they're just happy to carry him over the dead ball. <laughs> and line. the scrum half comes, the Quinn scrum half comes running over. Is it like, what the fuck are you yeah. going to do exactly? <laughs> <laughs> no, that was superb. So yeah, greatest tries never scored. If you have got any uh, any other suggestions for cracking tries um, that weren't obviously. Uh, <laughs> I keep saying scores. They weren't scores, but they should have been scores. And that, in many ways, is the point. So, yeah, get in touch. Uh, give us your noms. And uh, if we get enough of them, maybe we'll talk about it again sometime. One last one before we finish on this is that Paul Simmons oh, yeah. got in touch on Twitter, which is, which is a brilliant film on a phone amateur one. And it's not actually a great try. It's just great. The, the massive, it's the classic thinking that the five metre line is the try line problem. Oh, I remember that one. That one is <laughs> genuinely pro- He properly brilliant. dives on the floor, jumps up, throws the ball in the air and sticks both fists in the air. Because <laughs> it's just, my God, you've absolutely balled up massively. It's like you feel for him because what... We, yeah. Uh, we've, all been, we've all been watching rugby and thought that a line that was not the try line was the try line. Or indeed playing it sometimes, but to do it in quite such spectacular style is. I, uh, mm. I scored a winning try in a semi-final when I was playing rugby mm. league. It was a national plate semi-final because that's the mm. kind of level I was operated at. You know, the semi-final of the, the shittest teams in the country. <laughs> basically. And um, I caught the ball. I was out on the wing and I caught the ball. Somebody did a lovely, one of the best passes ever out of the tackle to me. I caught the ball behind my head and I went running in. And then I suddenly realised that that was the try line. It had come to me far more quickly than I thought. Oh Jesus! And I went, oh shit! And sort of, and I executed quite possibly the most uncool dive in the entire <laughs> world. It was something. It was like a swallow dive. The ball was kind of above my head, as if I was doing like an old man's dive into a swimming pool. Yeah, were well, you going to do a little forward roll? But I did win the game. It's one of the greatest, well, probably the my greatest moments in amateur as rugby. As long as you got it down, that is kind of all that matters, really, isn't and it? And I did actually have that slight moment of utter terror as I hit the floor when I jumped up. Am I actually <laughs> in goal? Because it all happened so quickly. I was, I was, and and the 
the situation. But yes, as long as you're not over the dead ball line. That's all that that's, matters. That's that's the even worse one, isn't it? When you run completely over the dead ball line. Um, yeah. So the greatest try never scored. Please get in touch if you think of any more for us to use. Now that was all based on, of course, what happened this weekend when one of the greatest Indeed. tries never scored did actually happen. Do you want to do that game first, or shall we do Munster Saracens first in our little? Wash-up? I'm easy to be honest. Whatever you feel. Let's do Munster Let's... Saracens. Yes, that was that was. I'm gonna just lay lay this out there for all the plaudits that both sides have got. This was the worst game of the weekend. <laughs> like yes. in terms of as a spectators, it was fucking dire for quite a lot of the game, and that was entirely how Saracens wanted it. They were away from um, home in a very hostile environment. Yeah, and so they did absolutely everything that they needed to do. But I think one of the biggest takeaways I got, not just from this game, but from the whole weekend. Um, is that it's demonstrated that the Champions Cup does kind of need the Irish at this stage of it because last season the semis were played in front of dog shit atmospheres, mm. half empty stadiums. This year, two massive sellouts, electric atmospheres, particularly the Aviva Stadium, selling out whatever the Aviva is 50, 60,000 yeah. in a couple of weeks, 100 miles from Limerick. That's just that's fucking remarkable. And it was, you know, like you said, it was an absolute cauldron. It was. The, the noise was incredible. Which must be even more disappointing for the fans when you consider how stupid Monster were for most of that game. Oh, fucking hell. I, I mean, that was, yeah. They, the tactics were straight out of 2009, and that shit does not fly any. Like, I, I get that they were missing Conor Murray, of course. Yeah. But the game plan that the halfbacks executed, it was odd. Like, Kicking the leather off it, yeah. It, yeah. I mean, it's very negative for one, but like when you have the ball in the twenty-two and your first instinct is to kick, like how is that going to win you a game? Even in two thousand and nine, how is that going to win you a game? The, the bottom line is they had first half in particular. They had loads of territory. Mm. They kicked incredibly badly. Yeah, they were mostly playing one-out rugby. Why? Oh, why did they keep spinning the ball to the twelve thirteen channel directly from the bottom of the rook all the time? It was odd, wasn't I it? I don't. I just didn't understand. And now, was it because they were trying to get round the Saracens rush up on the scrum half defence? <coughs> I'm guessing that was kind of what they were trying to do. It must have been Wales, the thought, but it wasn't. Wales working. did some similar things against Ireland in the Six Nations, where Webb was passing it straight to the twelve, um, and sort of trying to nullify that blitz. And it is one way to do it. But the fact of the matter is, like. Saracens, I, I I get it. Like, how do you problem pro- solve a problem like Saracens' defense is no easy matter, and clearly outside of the box thinking is required. But, but I mean, it was very obvious after twenty minutes that this was not working. But Saracens like, do that. Saracens do that fan, don't they? They don't hmm. commit to the rook and they fan out. So why do you keep moving it away from the rook then? That's what I can't. And it's yeah, not as if you, top, and it's not as if you don't yeah. know that's what they're going to do. That's where I think a lot of people. I said on Twitter that credit to Saracens and seriously to go and win that relatively easily is Absolutely, all credit yeah. to them. But if Monster fans and must be fuming, and people came back to me said, "Well, I'm sure that I said Monster were mostly brainless," and somebody came back to me and said, "Oh well, I'm sure Saracens are brainless on on their journey to, to where they've got to at points." And it's like, well, yeah, yes, that's true. But that's a mitigation. It doesn't change the fact. The fact yeah. is that they were. And 
I can understand in the pressure of making some bad decisions, but how can you not be prepared for how Saracens defend? Everyone knows what they do. And now I'm not saying that by being prepared and executing something that you're going to beat Saracens, no, but at least not. make it look like you've prepared for their defence. Because yeah, you've got a thought. Like, yeah, this it was very obvious that they thought that they could target the back three under the high ball. Hmm. I mean, apparently because they thought that, like, Simon Zebo's been playing Aussie rules for the last 15 years or something, I don't know. Um very bored about hearing how good he is under the high ball. He's all right. Um, <laughs> but, like, yeah, it was very obvious after about 20, 30 minutes that the Saris back three, particularly Alex Goode, were absolutely fine with that. If you want to boot aimless high balls at them all day, they will just take it and send it back. So why did they... Like, they, was there no better plan than that? No. Like, I know that Munster's back three are fucking dreadful. But there, there was just there had to be something more. Conway's than all right. That Conway's all right, and, and Zebo's fine as yeah, well. Yeah, but it's like Earls is not all right. But well, he probably yeah. is. But we've decided we don't like him. So that's the, so that's well, the end of that. He's, he's, that's the thing. They're all fine. None of them are really good. Um, Zebo is occasionally very good, but they obviously didn't have that quality out wide to really punish Saracens in the, like to try and get something out of them in the wide channels, you know, like Glasgow, obviously Glasgow got fucking humped in the quarter final, but they did demonstrate that when you send pace and numbers out wide, you can cause particularly Ashton and to a lesser extent, good to have a little bit of a moment defensively. Mm. Um, and they just never even attempted that. No, and that they just as you it mentioned, was so negative and so cynical. Even when they were badly down, there just wasn't a great deal of thought to how they were going to attack. And that's not really been like Munster haven't been the Harlem Globetrotters this season. No, you know, of course, but they have attacked clinically and they've attacked well. And they just, they just well, Saeeli made a massive got- difference when he came on. Yeah. Once Sealy started, to, I know it was late in the game and all that, but he was he was demonstrably making something happen. And come yeah. back to that point about not kicking to the to, to the wide and the fact that you said briefly, but I wanted to pick up on it, the fact they weren't driving through the middle to pull the Saracens defenders out of that line. Yeah. Is I mean the thing is they might have tried it a couple of times and they might have doubled up on them and ended up getting the ball turned over and that's fine, but at least try it. At least try yeah, and go for them. Try something. That's the thing that kind of really did... Just It just depressed me a little bit because I genuinely thought that Munster could have a crack at Saris with the intensity that they have in their pack and have demonstrated this season, but mm. they just... They completely let the occasion get to them a little bit, I think. I did, and... Yeah, and I think, again, to be fair, as the point that's been made on Twitter in some of the conversations I've had, they're still a relatively young side. Yeah. this is They're not the great monster sides of, of years gone by. So <laughs> this is part of their... You know, Saris has lost a few semis, didn't they? So did Leinster on the way. This yeah. is a, a learning process for them, without a doubt. But but nothing nothing kind of illustrated what they were... The problems they were having and really what the what a bad day they were having, really, than... That Blay and Dahl drop goal attempt on about minute oh, 70 was hell, it? That was terrible. It was an it? abysmal attempt at kicking a drop goal. But it's the fact that it was after sort of 
14 soul-splintering phases of playing directly into Saracen's cold, dead, inhuman hands. And it was yeah. like, oh, well, fucking hell, I don't know what to do now. And then, <laughs> I know, I'll just fucking span a one off my left peg. It was horrendous. Yeah, and, and Saris will do that to you. Saris will yeah. stop you from playing the way you want to play. But it didn't even feel like they had to because Munster were already playing in a way that Saris were like, oh, brilliant. Well, we'll just I do think there's a drink. The entire first half, Saracens were nowhere to be seen apart from defending. No. Yeah. And there's, I don't care how good a team is, they shouldn't be able to soak up 40 minutes of pressure away from home without being tested no. a little bit more than that. Yeah without conceding hardly any points or penalties. They just didn't... It wasn't smart. It was bad tactics, badly executed. But, and, you know, the thing is, it sounds like all we're doing now is slagging off Munster and giving no credit to Saracens. It's very important to stress that Saracens do what they do. They're incredibly well organised. They work incredibly hard and they're very, very clever. They are basically a test team in terms of depth, in terms of intensity, in terms of their organisation and defence. They are phenomenal but this is not news and this should not have been news to Munster and the fact that they came with such a naive one-dimensional game plan against a team like Saris was just really disappointing because I did expect a lot better of them and you know you've got to take your hat off to players like Farrell who just ran the show imperiously and you know players like Cruis and Koch and Atoje who were excellent again you know it's well, Vunipola's plural. Yeah, and Vunipola's plural. They were all brilliant, but they're always all brilliant. And, yeah, you can't just throw some weak source shit at them and expect them to Owen Farrell be sort of befuddled by it. reminds me so much of his father. It pains me that, that, that rugby <laughs> union fans who may not pay much attention only no. know Andy Farrell from the slightly slow, wheezy, questionable selection days in Rugby Union. Yes. Because when he was on his game in Rugby League, he was he was basically Owen. Just mm. this like titular organiser, incredible engine, very, very clever, could kick past do everything. And which is not to say he lives in the shadow of his father by any means. It just I was it was exactly more than anything, it really he's... reminded me of him. Because if he was still in Rugby League, he'd be playing the same position of his father as well. He'd be playing thirteen probably. So but anyway, I'm not here to talk about rugby league, but it just made, it just made me think <laughs> about yeah. that. Uh, so yeah, so basically, Sarri's just soaked up everything, and when they finally had Terra Street, immediately scored, and that's the kind of difference. Yeah, There's literally nothing is, they that can. Is what no they matter do. what game you put them in, they find a way to win. It's it's remarkable, yeah. really. They are they are a fucking remarkable team, but and yeah, I just I can't see anybody beating them. I can't see anybody beating them this season. Full stop. Well, I can't see somebody as quite clearly, slightly organised, stroke batshit all in one in one way as Claremont. So let's move on. to Well, that. yes, Beat um, but, I would say. But that, maybe that's what they need. Maybe somebody totally batshit needs to come along. Yeah, because I mean, they, they were very. That's the, the French rugby is, and that was sort of a theme for all three French teams this weekend, <laughs> including the one that fucking the two that won. But like French rugby really is stuck in the eighties, and it and it kind of works for them sometimes, but you can't help but feel that they are living on borrowed time. Like a team like Clermont or a team like Stad, they're basically happy to play for forty minutes or less, mm. and 
they've got such quality in their back line and and you know a lot of those are foreign imports and some of them aren't you know but they've got such quality that they're used to winning games in 20 30 minutes and then switching off mm. and and you looked at you know all the french teams that i saw over the weekend they had players blowing after 60 minutes their conditioning is fucking shocking <laughs> And we've discussed this before, yes. but like they're nowhere near fit enough, and they think that they can take large swathes of the game off, and recover, and then come back in the last twenty minutes and win once they've got their breath back. But which is kind of what they did. Are going to, yeah, which <laughs> is what they did to, which is what Star did to Bath, and it's what Claremont did to Leinster to an extent. Leinster did it to themselves a little bit, but well, Leinster's first fifteen minutes basically killed them. Yeah. Uh, they would have quite comfortably won that game. But like having the money to bring test-quality players off the bench and might prove enough sometimes, but, you know, with a bit of luck and a bit more composure, like Stad and Claremont would both have lost that game quite handily. And you think, you look at the test that's coming for, particularly for Claremont, but, you know, for, for Stad as well, you know, Gloucester having been an aimless shower of shit for most of this season look fucking good in Europe and the absolute physical demolition job they did on La Rochelle on Saturday night was massively impressive because that showed a backbone that Gloucester have not often demonstrated this season. They seem to have got Um, a lot better since this Mark Atkinson at 12 came to the fore a bit more. mm. That's what I've noticed. I'm quite quite impressed by him. Since Laurie Fisher fucked off as well. <laughs> Take your fucking bucket out and do one. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, if he was, and he put his hand up and said, you know, like, like this is clearly not working anymore. Time for somebody else. And maybe, yeah, maybe it's as simple as that. <laughs> maybe it's just a new, a new broom. But um, yeah, I, I, speaking of things that aren't going to happen in the final, Claremont. <laughs> Are not going to win the game if they defend like they did against Leinster. They're not. They're going to get fucking dicked. To be let's be blunt. Mm. I don't care how much razzle dazzle they've got in that back line. They missed thirty six tackles against Leinster, which is a seventy odd percent completion rate. Um, can you imagine what? Like, you'll have to. You'll have to, you'll have to give me a minute to uh, recover <laughs> from that. You'll have to talk for thirty seconds or something. <laughs> Can you imagine, like, if they miss 36 tackles against Saracens... Can it... you imagine? It's going to be about 100 nil. <laughs> exactly. On the flip side of that, Munster missed 15 tackles, and they still lost by double digits and shipped two tries. <laughs> right, so if you... They basically and Saris on the flip twice... side, 90%, made 165 no, tackles. Despite being in their own half for the entire first the entire half. entire fucking game, exactly. Yeah. So... You know, if Leinster had been a bit more clinical, they would have won that game. If, but Claremont clearly are there to be got at, and Saris are going to do horrible things to them. Well, Claremont won't be that dazzling again. It just no. won't happen. I just don't think that a lot of what they did came off on Saturday, and it won't happen again. There's no way Rudry's playing that well again. No, that never well, happens. That was the other thing that really struck me. Clearly, rugby is still a game for old men. The, the combined age of the two captains in that Claremont Leinster game, 70 years old. Good Lord. Rougerie, 36, and if they were 34. <laughs> they were. You can't get Both a of them are backs. 
If they were the slowest winger on planet Earth, Rougerie the slowest. If they were so old, he almost has one of those like telecare lifeline buttons around his neck that he has to like buzz in case he gets stuck. If he falls over trying to dive for the try line, he needs. Has to press that to get the lifeline to come round and pick him up. But um, yeah. Did you did you see Devin Toner Airlines in this game? By the way. When they I, when they picked Devin Toner up, oh, that was great! And it was like he it? was like when was planking a thing about five years ago. It was like yes, he was planking yeah, was, across the. It was incredibly large planking, and he was and he was like shouting at the refs to say do so. The ref was like, "Well, what exactly?" What you, what Nigel's like, "Well, what exactly do you want me to do? They're not. This isn't penalizable unless you drop <laughs> you on unless they drop you on your shiny head. There's nothing I can do about it." Yeah, can we talk about his um, American History X haircut as well? <laughs> because that is that is not doing an already not naturally conventionally no, photogenic American History X, it's Limerick History Teacher is what he looks like, basically. <laughs> what I loved about that game as well, uh, speaking of that disallowed try, was the mm. Welshist TMO exchange oh, I've ever great, heard in my life with Nigel. I can't see from the angle. I'll have to get a better angle. And, that, and then he shows him again. I can't see from that one. And then he goes, he went, and then the TMO. Did you see that now then? The last <laughs> TMO literally went, right, here we are. Let's have a look at this now. <laughs> because it was like it was Windsor Davis of eight hour football. Right, here we are. Let's have a look at, let's have a look at this now. I don't know. I don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he holds him. <laughs> it was just—it was the Welshest thing I've ever done. So, yeah, yeah. Thanks, right. You were, um, and then they tried to complain to Nigel, didn't they? Yeah. And he was like, well, "Whether well, you, you, you're holding him in, yeah. <laughs> you can't just let that go." <laughs> what, what do you I suggest? Enjoyed I enjoyed the try as much as anyone else, but unfortunately, <laughs> the rules are the rules. Rules is rules, my friend. Indeed. This is not Nam. This is a European semi-final. There are rules. Exactly. Um, other things I learned. Um, the drop goal is back, back, back. What? Four yes. bloody drop goals over the weekend, and only one of them, Brock James's effort for La Rochelle, didn't actually end up being decisive. Um, yeah, even police was getting in the fucking act. What is the world coming to? Yeah, Blayendal was completely to drop goal type. Yes, he just didn't do them well. Whereas Cami Lopez, those that ridiculous tight angled one was a bit too good actually. <laughs> I, I don't want. I don't think we should encourage it too much. Otherwise, rugby will get boring again. In fact, the fact there were two drop goals at the end of that game made me start to hate them again. Yeah, it was like it didn't right, take long. It was just like right, fucking enough of this now. Go back to either not bothering or shanking them, please. <laughs> I also learned that, that Will Greenwood and Shane Horgan are a bit like charity chuggers, <laughs> in like that they stood with clipboards and they keep like stopping people walking past who really don't want to speak to them because at the end of the game because as, yeah. as the players are walking off at the end they're both with clipboards can I have a few can I have a few minutes of your time mate no fuck off I've got to get back to work mate, you remember what this was like don't you <laughs> I, I did enjoy how um, chippy Johnny Sexton was in his oh, post-match interview as well. He was He was so... <laughs> when they were sort of like explaining where it went wrong, and he was just like, yeah, you know, first semi-final I've ever lost. Yeah, so, yeah it's uh, a funny feeling this for me. I've never lost a semi-final yeah. before. <laughs> it's like, oh, Johnny. <laughs> yeah, and it, do, do you, what he said, do you give credit to Claremont? Well, yeah, well, I suppose they get, <laughs> they get terrible loser. I like that about him. I don't, I don't appreciate. I don't think good losing is necessarily a fucking good quality to have. Nothing and, beats Mike Brown. 
oh, after no, the Wales well, game <laughs> in the World Cup. <laughs> That's one of the only times I actually generally liked him because it was just like, I am fucking fuming. I'm devastated. Leave me the fuck alone. Leave <laughs> the fuck alone. I do not wish to talk about this further. Please, please leave. Um, but yeah, that was good. Um, also, I think over the course of the weekend, um, it kind of broadly seemed like maybe Gatland got it right selection-wise. Yes. Like, it's harsh to say that when there's only eight teams playing, but like Lions-wise, even the players who were absent, you sort of thought, well, it's obvious why he's been picked because his team are fucking shite without him. <laughs> um, but obviously, Atoje and Cruis got the better of Donald Ryan. Yeah. Um, even in a losing cause, Sexton, Furlong, Henshaw were all superb. Um, Munster missed Murray like a motherfucker. Um, and Leinster would have loved to have Sean O'Brien. They would have done ring rotors all over the shop. Yeah. It's kind of a um, perfect illustration of by why he both is not and perhaps should be on the Lions tour. Absolutely. All in one performance. Perfect, it was a very, for me, it was a perfect. Why he's not going is everything he did for 60 minutes, where he was. <laughs> Running up blind alleys where he was throwing well, stupidly speculative offloads and losing and what the ball. Was that and chip, then... What was that chip and chase off the outside of the boot all about? Oh, which basically awful. led directly to a Claremont try, pretty much. Yeah. And then he did that. Thing that he a, does, yes. thing that he does. And it's like, right. Even if you're not going this time, you're going to go on a lot of these yeah. at some point in your life because Imagine you are Gatlin. an absolutely sensational talent. You can see Gatlin, though, can't he, sat at home. Going. Yeah, you can, you can do go, all that running all you want. That you is, kick like that, you're never in my team. You can't. <laughs> basic can't. Yes, um, <laughs> you can't. Yeah, um, down. Even if we drop down a level, Ross Moriarty was an absolute beast again for Gloucester. <laughs> God, I love him. I love him with a fiery passion. He is an absolute horrible bastard. Um, and JJ Fallatow and Watson were all dangerous in. Trips and drabs for Bath, um, if a little bit meh. And then players like Zebo and Earls probably <laughs> demonstrated yep. why they didn't get picked. Um, and Ford obviously missed a tough kick to draw the game at full time for Bath. But um, yeah, I, I can imagine Gatton's looking at that and going, yeah, that's why Dan Bigger's going and you're not, mate. Anything else on the weekend? Um, I think that's pretty much me, actually. Yeah. Right. Oh no, is it everywhere? No, sure, stay and sort that out. We can have dinner another time. Amazing. Whether it's cancelled plans... Ah, ah, get in the kitchen and calm down. ...or the need for a quick, convenient distraction. Introducing Goodfellas Mini Pizzas. Four mini pizzas made with respect that cook in 11 minutes. Goodfellas Minis. Embrace the unexpected. Acast recommends... Podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna, talking to people who stand up, speak out, or challenge us to think a little differently. It's about the greater good, families and children, respecting their own individuality. In the next couple of years, like I hope I never have to have conversations about racism ever again. Like, I just want to get to the stage where, you know, people are just people. Nobody's pooling the resources together and actually being able to show how much of an impact it will make when people do come together. Changemakers with Claire McKenna. Search for it now wherever you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now. 
Okay, then. Let's uh, bring in our guest, shall we? Which is uh, Mr. Jamie Wall, all the way from New Zealand. Jamie, then, whereabouts in, in New Zealand are you? I'm in Auckland right now, um, and it's a beautiful day outside. Well, it's, uh, and it's a bank holiday down here. You guys call it a bank holiday, don't you? Yeah, what would you it's call actually, it? It's, it's Anzac Day, which is a commemoration of all of the wars that we went to fight for uh, for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> so so the least they could do is give us a day off of it. Oh, it's fair enough, really, isn't it? Speaking of wars, which are not really like wars in a sporting context, obviously we've got you on to talk about the Lions. That The squad was named last week, um, mm-hmm. 41 players. Uh, I'm assuming you've had you've had a, had a look at it. Is there been much reported about it down in New Zealand? What what's the buzz down there about the squad and or anything else? Yeah, yeah, there sure has. Uh, I think um, the momentum's really built around the Lions tour. It's it's a, it's, it's it's a pretty big deal. Um, and so the when the squad came out, it was uh, it was pretty big news. Um, I think to the average rugby fan, you know, given the local general knowledge of. Northern Hemisphere rugby was very much like, oh, well, I, that's more or less what I thought they were going to pick. Um, <laughs> and we'll probably fucking I smash think... him anyway. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, pretty much. I, I think uh, the only main, the main storylines that have, that have come out down here is the lack of Scottish players. Mm. Um, because everyone down here loves Scotland. They're everyone's favourite second team because they know their role, which is just to you know, roll over and die when you always play them. <laughs> um, uh, and also because of the, ma- the, the the New Zealand connection um, up there, you know, Scotland yeah. has always had quite a lot of New Zealand players. Uh, and also, uh, I think, I, I guess to a lesser extent, uh, Dylan Hartley not getting selected because, you know, obviously he's a, well, he's supposedly a Kiwi, but we don't really want him anymore. So, <laughs> you know. Um, and and I guess just uh, quite a lot of uh, foreshadowing by the local media about what who's going to make up the test side, um, and especially who's probably going to play first five. That's that's another one. Um, yeah. Sexton and and Farrell, and um, and yeah, like I said, the Scottish the guys who missed out from the Scottish team. But I think just you know from a personal point of view, like. Looking at, I think the only guys who are really kind of unlucky from Scotland would be, and I mean, I'd be interested to hear what you guys think, is probably Greg Laidlaw and the Gray brothers. I forget which one of them's the good one. I <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but but looking looking at that squad, um, you know, from a New Zealand point of view, I think halfback and lock are probably where they are the most uh, strong. Um, yeah, I'd agree with uh, that. Obviously, there's been there's been a bit of talk about Joe Launchbury missing out, um, and so I think if he's missed out, then then the Greys uh, probably just in the same boat. And you look at the halfbacks, and um, uh, I think uh, you know they're, they're pretty strong there. I mean, Connor Murray is, is a guy who's uh, had a lot of you know airtime down here, mainly because you know he was one of the key key men in the, in the big win that Ireland had last year against the All Blacks. How did that go down last year? Uh, uh, the the, Island, the Ireland win, yeah. Oh, it was huge. It's huge. Big deal. Um, and it was kind of one of those turning points in New Zealand rugby. I think, um, you know, it was a shock, obviously. Mm. Uh, but at the same time, I think um, 
it wasn't like losing to England or anything. It was, uh, I think everyone was kind of like, well, if anyone was going to beat us, I'm happy it was those guys because they've been trying for like 111 years. <laughs> I'm just glad it wasn't the fucking English is basically what you were saying. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Uh, that, that's, that's, that's what it was. Um, I, I think, um, I think like everyone's hats went off to them because they played the way that you have to play when you beat the All Blacks. And that's something I'll probably touch on a little bit later when we talk about the Lions themselves. But, you know, you had to admire the way they went about it, which was uh, they scored, what, was it five, six tries, mm, five tries? Yeah. Mm, and like just didn't didn't stop until the final whistle. Um, and so, you know, you guys might not look, not like to think it, but we're a pretty fair bunch down here. Like if when you get beaten and you get beaten well like that, then you, you have to, you know, we'll sit back and say, Hey, well done. Shake your hand. M- much like when England beat us in 2012, mm. you know, um, this, they scored 38 points and you yeah. can't, you, you, when team scores 38 points against you, you have to say, well, you guys deserve to win. Uh, so there's very much, there was a lot of, a lot of that. And, you know, there's a lot of Irish people here in New Zealand at the moment. Um, so you know, there's a big party going on that whole Sunday, um, and you couldn't help but join in. Yeah. Very, very quickly picking up on your points about Laidlaw and the Grey Brothers. Richie Gray was never going to be going anyway. He was pretty no, good right. a few years ago, and he's not playing well anymore. And um, <clears throat> Johnny Gray was the one who's, who's had a very good season, the younger brother. Right. But when you look okay, at it, I remember that <laughs> it was it was always going to be. At most people up here predicted that probably Johnny Gray wasn't going to go because of the strength at lock, basically. And Laidlaw, I said, I thought it was unlucky that Laidlaw didn't go because he's a captain, he kicks well, and for a midweek team, he'd be quite useful. But then again, I can see why he's not gone because he's just not a very Gatland-type player. He's a bit too slow. He's not physical enough. He's injured at the moment, isn't he? Is he injured for the entire tour, Josh? I can't remember now. I don't think he's injured for the tour, but I think he's going to be barely back to fitness by the time they go. So I can sort of understand Anything yeah. you go. And, and I think the only other guy whose name I could, you know, from what I saw of the Six Nations, who I'd say might be unlucky, Finn, Finn Russell. Yeah. But then again, you know, like it's not like he's going to get anywhere near the Test team anyway. So. No, and, and he yeah, has. I, I think that was kind of the, the thing that we, when we were chatting about the squad last week, kind of said is like there are quite a few players who probably could have gone, but they're not players that it doesn't change the Test team in any way in yeah. our minds that they haven't. To be honest, it's. It is what it is. That test team is probably fairly set already. It's just about strength of the dirt trackers, guys. Mm. Josh, you want to ask a question? Yeah. That... Well, uh, it, it might be sort of. You had obviously said that about the Ireland game, like they played the way that you kind of have to play to beat the All Blacks. Do you sort of yeah. look at, at that squad that they've done and and look at the way that the All Blacks have played over the last couple of months? And you and you, know, I must might be hard for you to say, admittedly, but like, can you look at that and think, yeah, they've got. That team is set, they they're going to build a team that's set up to exploit potential all black weaknesses, or do you think that this whole physicality above all else thing is going to be a bit of a a fool's errand? Uh, it's definitely a fool's errand, um, <laughs> and and I mean statistically you can you can back that up. Um, the All Blacks have lost four games under Steve Hansen, um, and the last what's that? Six, mm. uh, five and a bit yeah. seasons. Yeah. Um, so that's out of about, I think, 55. I think, yeah, I think under him, they're 51, four and one. Um, <laughs> out of those four games, if you break them down, 
the average amount of points for the opposition team, uh, I think, is 30 and a half. So in order to beat the All Blacks these days, you need to score 30 points. Mm. Um, You're not going to do that by bashing the ball up the Mm. middle. Um, Like I said before about the Irish game, um, you know, the whole thing about Ireland over the the history of the All Blacks playing them and me watching them growing up um, was that they'd come out for the first 20 odd minutes and they'd play really well and they might score a try and everyone would be like, oh, is this their day? And then the All Blacks would just, you know, win the arm wrestle and cream them and score like 40 points and whatever. And then as time went on, you know, it turned out they were playing well for the whole first half. If you remember, I think it was, I think it was actually Richie McCaw's first ever game back in, I think, 2001. They were up like by 20 points at half time. Mm. And again, the, the All Blacks just came back and walloped them in the second half. Um, and then they finally figured out, and, you know, it's probably because they've got a New Zealand coach, that you can't just play well for 40 minutes. You have to play well for the whole time. And playing mm. well for the whole time isn't just uh, tackling and kicking, it's you have to keep scoring tries. And like I said before, uh, I think uh, Ireland sealed that game with a try in about the 78th minute. And so you have to keep scoring tries and you have to keep running the ball in order to beat the All Blacks. And I look at that squad and I think to myself, well, do they have the firepower to do that? Do they have the creativity? Um, They certainly don't have the coach. uh, So it's going to be up to the players to just be able to dig deep and run the ball basically right until until the ball. Do you not hold any sort of truck then with the idea that Ireland ultimately in that game, if you're going to use that as an example of obviously because that beat the All Blacks, had a very, very fast and aggressive defence marshaled by Andy Farrell that basically denied Barrett. They put him under time pressure and space pressure, which basically revealed that any team and any player under enough pressure start to look ordinary again. So then, you, so then you didn't score half as many tries as you would have done normally. So I think some of the approach to the Lions is to say, we'll do that, incredibly physically based, and then we'll score maybe not a load of tries, but enough, but, and we've certainly got better kicking than New Zealand. That's one approach. Uh, but you don't... Yeah, to, yeah. You're, pull, don't, you're pulling a face, but you don't, you don't need... <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that's going to work. Um, you, can't, you can't rely... Like, yes, the defence was um, fantastic, they were also helped by the fact that the All Blacks lineout just completely fell apart. Like every mistake that um, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. That, that the All Blacks lineout was going to make happened in that game. I think if you look at every other game that year, and there might have been like one missed throw, and they got I think they botched like six in that game. Mm. So I think that played a huge part in it as well. Um, and yeah, I, I like I give credit to the defence and everything, but it's the ability to do both. Um, which is what Ireland did. And yeah, like I said, I, I look at that Lions team and I, I just don't, I don't see the, uh, the creativity there. Um, and the other thing about that Irish game, which I think a lot of people probably just don't talk about because it's, it just kind of sound like sour grapes is that was just a, a kind of a joke test for the All Blacks. I mean, it was in Chicago. Um, they were playing it because they're sponsored by AIG um, this, the, the Cubs had just won the world series mm. that week and they got kind of sucked into that whole thing. They were there at the victory parade. I don't think they trained. Um, they treat that game. They treat those games as basically a little, little bit of a holiday. Um, they end up going to ice hockey. They do all this promotional stuff for AIG. So they get their minds really aren't on the game. Um, 
and so there's that factor that also needs to be brought into it. Um, no, I mean to be fair, not, not going to be the case. When, I think to be fair, yeah. And yeah. Josh Hillback, yeah. with the the podcast we did that week, which was obviously giving a lot of credit to Ireland, did make the point that the the the, the starting locks for New Zealand that week weren't the first choice, were yeah. they? And exactly, also, there yeah. was a lot of pictures of them hanging around on the street, um, having photos taken with tourists and all of that kind of stuff. So, which is, and, it, and I'm not trying to do down either because that that New Zealand team was a very very good team still, and it's still the New Zealand team, you know. So, but yeah, I, I yeah, do, that's I true. Do, I do I take know, your point, I, but I, I do take your point. It'll be a different. It'll be well, a different kettle of fish. Yeah, the level of focus will be very 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 different come June. I don't think there's any doubt about that. You were basically but, saying, uh, Jamie, that the All Blacks were basically Apollo Creed in Rocky One. <laughs> that oh, week. yeah, yeah, pretty much. They even, <laughs> you know, uh, it was. It was a bit of a their mind, their mind were on was on other things. That I mean, they were sort of looking forward to the end of the year, um, and yeah, like I said, they probably spent more time shaking guys from AIG's hands. Uh, that week than anything else, and then of course they went to Paris and they did. They had to do the same thing for Adidas, which is why they wore those funny um, uh, change jerseys, um, jerseys that yeah. week because that was their obligation to Adidas. Uh, just like Chicago's the the obligation to AIG, they have to play there every two years. Um, so next time, <laughs> I think AIG will probably just rig it up so it's not a team they're going to lose to. <laughs> so are yeah. you affected? One of the questions that we talked about, and Josh was coming to in that other question as well is about all black weaknesses if mm. that's the right word in that so your basic saying is all black weaknesses can only really be exploited if you can score more than 30 points yeah yeah that's my and what would you say those weaknesses my, yeah. are i suppose as well yeah well i think um gosh that's the hardest <laughs> question i've been asked <laughs> um try and find a weakness in the all blacks come on quickly yeah i think um I think maybe you can compare this to it, uh, perhaps, um, to the 2011 World Cup, mm. um, where the biggest uh, pressure that the All Blacks had was on themselves, uh, you know, and from the public. Um, mm. And you could see that in the final where we, yeah. you know, we really should have won that game running away. Um, but they were kind of a bit too nervous to, uh, to, to kind of open it up because it was such an important game. Um, if the All Blacks are holding this in the same sort of level of importance, then they might play a bit conservatively and, and maybe not play as well. Um, so there's that mindset. Um, there's the fact that there's going to be more of you guys in the stadium than us. <laughs> um, like that's, I'm not joking. That's, that's probably yeah. going to be the case. Um, and maybe that they'll be a little rusty. If you look at, uh, the last, um, last couple of seasons, last three seasons, perhaps, the first test of the year for the All Blacks, first couple of tests, uh, you know, they are they do have a bit of ring rust around them. Uh, you look at last year, Wales were um, at Eden Park. Uh, Wales were winning at halftime. That's right, yeah. You know, so yeah. that's that's something. Uh, and then um, the year before that, I think that was England when England came here. It might have been the year before, actually. Sorry, no, that was 2014. Um, you know, Eng- England almost won that game. Uh, yeah. I think that, that that's the that's the hope for us. British and Irish fans, that's the hope for us in that Wales last summer were, were competitive for probably up to about the 60th minute of a number of games. Yeah. And and it seems, we always joke on this pod that New Zealand do the 15-minute soul splinterer, where they, mm. they, they have a 15-minute period in a game where they score four tries and completely fucking splinter your hope and take the entire game away from you. 
And that seems to be, a lot of it seems to hinge around emptying the bench because the, the strength is so good off the bench. Mm. And with it's almost like you'd have to combine four nations to get <laughs> the bench strength like, like All Blacks have got. And that's, I think, where us British fans are a bit like, yeah, so if we can stay competitive and st- like Wales did up until the 60 minute, when the bench is coming to play, maybe the difference won't be quite as marked. Uh, yeah, I think I think that's a really good point, um, and it's something that I've I've written a couple of columns about is the All Blacks' ability to just turn it on for yeah ten fifteen yeah. minutes, and um, and yeah, just basically score score two three tries mm. and just take the game away. Um, and I think uh, you know we'll keep going back to that Irish game. Um, the Irish did actually let them do that. Uh, yeah. If you remember, mm. um, I think I think the score was about 31 to 10 or something, and the yeah. All Blacks managed to pull it back to 31-29 yeah. by about the 65th minute. That was a and, point where we all went, oh, here yeah, it comes. And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, well, I was sitting here at home just thinking, oh, yeah, here we go. This, yeah, they're, on, they're on course for about 50 points here. Um, <laughs> and so I think Ireland are the only team that's actually been able to sort of take that punch and mm, yeah. manage to sort of get back up and, and hit them back. Uh, and so, but I, I can't, and they did it through their bench. Actually, I think uh, the last try was scored by, um, was it Ringrose? Did he score the last try in that game? He came off he, the well, bench. He did come on and was quite good, but um, no, it was, uh, oh, oh, what's, no. what's his name? What's his name? Was it, Henshaw. Was Henshaw. Henshaw. Robbie Henshaw. Was Henshaw. Yeah. Oh, what's Henshaw? Robbie no, Henshaw, yeah. Right. My, my bad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like the bench certainly did play their part, mm. and I and I look at that uh, the Lions squad, and it's like, well, of course your bench should be good. Like you're you're playing, you've got mm. guys who would usually Full start yeah. on your on your bench, you know. So um, they just need to be conditioned into their roles of like, okay, your job is to come on and and just you know uh, diffuse the the other guy that's come on from the All Blacks. Mm. Um, like that's that's your role. So I I think that. Um, I think that they've got a pretty tough task because I think <laughs> Eddie Jones is the only one that's really sort of caught on to the fact that the bench is so important lately, whereas mm. the All Blacks have been doing it for like the last five, six years. Yeah. And in terms in sorry, Josh, you could say something? No, no, correct. All right. So in terms of that's the test, obviously you think is it, you think it's gonna be three nil in the tests? Yep. When's Thanks. the All Black squad out, Jamie? No, not yet. When is it? Um, it's pretty. It's it, it's it's going to be pretty predictable. Um, mm. I think it's you know it's not going to be that much different to last year. Um, the only potential change in the the top flight test side is we might see, and you guys are going to love this, sort <laughs> of Bowden Barrett's brother. Oh, Jordy. Um, yeah. Jordy. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, his 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 other brother, because oh, yeah. um, because <laughs> one of his brothers already in there. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's not going to be too different from the from the team that was on the end of year tour uh, last year. Uh, oh, except oh, and that's oh, Sonny Bill Williams. Um, will oh yeah, yeah. Well, he's oh, shit, yeah. so you don't have to worry about him, do we? So <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he'll he'll have a nice uh, match up with his old mate Ben Teo, who he would have been playing against a couple of years in the NRL. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. What happens if yeah. they both forget themselves and start playing the thirteen aside game? Ah uh, well, Sonny Bill's done that. Sonny Bill's done that before. Um, if you remember in the World Cup, he got uh, Simbin for a shoulder charge. So. Oh yeah, <laughs> he, did, he? <laughs> he certainly had the pedigree. 
What about midweek? No. What about midweek games, Jamie? If you're so confident on the three 0 and I can't, I'll be honest, I'm hopeful it won't happen, but I can't really argue that that's not no. a very realistic possibility. I think the thing about the Lions, and we talked about this, is a lot of people get worked up. You know, the Lions should never win ever. Yeah, you can't bring no, the scratch right. teams together like that. Um, and it's interesting because when they come to New Zealand, they don't. So they no, they don't. And they, but they should never win anywhere because you know the the, no. the t- especially in the professional era, in the amateur era, maybe. But they're now, a scratch team. They're a scratch yeah. team brought together, playing yeah. away from home, playing 10, 12 games in one tour, knackered, move, and not just you know a proper tour, moving around the country three days at a time. It's it's ridiculous. Should never win. So. Anything other than it's interesting. It is interesting you say that though, because I'm pretty sure that the All Blacks have been going up to the Northern Hemisphere and doing that for about a hundred odd years. <laughs> yes, all right. Haven't really been having yes, that much trouble. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, but you're, you're, a squad, days, you're a squad. Like, you're a squad. You're an actual one. Getting... You're one team, though, aren't you? You play <laughs> oh, yeah, together. Yeah, but you, you got to remember that, like back in the day, you know, the the situation was very much like it was for the Lions. Um, you know, they were pulling guys in from all over the country and sending them off as like a completely new team. In fact, the 1920... I mean, sorry, I'm sorry, I'm going to be a bit of a rugby geek. The <laughs> 1924 Invincibles team um, were pretty much met each other as they were getting on the boat and then uh, went over to the... Yeah, UK but we were all like, dead from Spanish flu then, so it's not very fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a good point. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, of the mid- go on, Josh. Speaking of the midweek stuff, obviously they've yeah. got... How do you feel about them having access to the all black players for the super rugby teams and the maori are you a little bit worried that there's going to be a bit of lions dirt tracker headhunting going on uh i think maybe 30 years ago yeah i would have been but i i i think it's i i i don't know if anyone would want to make the lions and then come down here and get themselves sent off and sent home for taking off someone's head Allow me um, to introduce you to Ross Moriarty. He'd definitely <laughs> be fine with that. <laughs> yeah, actually, actually, now that now that you mention it, I do remember the last tour. Um, the whole, I think, if there's one thing that the Lions can take out of the last tour, um, which, if you remember, ended up in a three-nil whitewash. Uh, after losing, that, that, yeah. that was probably the after... worst month of my rugby life having to watch that tour. <laughs> yeah, that was. Um, Coming, uh, uh, so they lost the first test, and it was a bit of an arm wrestle. And you know, old, old you know, Brian O'Driscoll fell over and hurt himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the second test uh, started, and and the Lions ripped in, and Gareth Thomas scored scored a try in the first couple of minutes. If you remember that, yeah, remember it very well. And. Um, and everything was going really well, and then uh, the the Lions kicked off again. They they, you know, they had the All Blacks right under pressure, and I think they had a penalty advantage. And one of the Englishmen just flew over the ruck and headbutted someone, took him out, a real like massive cheap shot, and that completely changed the game. Like completely changed it. From then on, the All Blacks just like got the ball back and just swept back onto it. And you can you can put the failure of that entire tour, I reckon, down to that that one moment. And so if they're going to learn anything from that tour, it's that doing something like that is a really fucking bad idea because uh, because it's not going to work. Um, and you saw the the public's backlash to when, when the, the spear tackle mm. happened um, and how much pressure got put on by the New Zealand media on the Lions themselves. Um, and if there's anything they can learn from that, it's that, you know, doing something dirty just 
isn't going to work, especially not New Zealand, because this is the home of dirty rugby. Like, you think South Africa's <laughs> bad, you think France is bad. Nah, man, like, I've played here for, like, 30 years now, and I can assure you that this is the, the dirtiest place you can possibly play, because down here we know how to do it when the ref's not looking. <laughs> so... Do you think the Lions are usually what you expect to happen is that the Lions will win all the games apart from the tests? But obviously, if the oh, provincial no. teams no, no, have got no, access no, no. to the test no, to the God. test players and God, no. the Hurricanes, the Chiefs, a bit like Saracens up here, are arguably a test team in their in their own right. Oh no, I don't think they're going to win a game at all, at <laughs> all. But even against the Country um, Select Fifteen or whatever it's called, there's some good players in that team. <laughs> <laughs> No, okay. Okay, no, maybe... But the first game doesn't really count because it's just, like, it's a practice game. Yeah. Um, but against the real the real teams, like, um, no, I, I don't I don't think they're going to win. Um, I, I think... Uh, I think... All you have to do is look at the Wales against the Chiefs um, in that tour last year. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, uh, so I'd kind of forgotten about that game, so it just made me laugh. Yeah, well, it. you should I remember haven't. it, and you should <laughs> yeah, have a look at it, because know. that, not only was that, um, you know, a pretty good uh, precursor of, of, of what the tour is going to be like for the Lions, that was actually a really understrength uh, uh, Chiefs team. They had um, Stephen Donald um, starting at first five, and that guy's like, I don't know, 73 oh, now. Oh, the final humiliation. Stephen Donald was playing, yes. Yeah, and and he, he got man of the match. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he he's won a World that Cup, day. that lad, I'll have you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> um, About that. Um, um, and I, I think if I remember correctly, they were up by about what, 25 at half time, and then, yeah. uh, yeah. ended up running out one as well, and 40 points to 13. Or yeah. It was pretty like horrific. Yes. Josh is oh, a Welshman is pulling yeah. a terrible face right now. Yeah. So I, that's... I had to watch that in work on an iPad. <laughs> that was how good my day was. Fuck's sake. Oh, well. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah. So yeah. after that, I don't, even like, I don't even like the Chiefs either. I can't believe I'm sitting here talking about. The um, uh, so after that ray of sunshine that you think it's going to be basically losing everything apart from perhaps the first yeah. game where they might win, but you can't possibly say so. <laughs> um, It'll sh- probably be Bring Gatland kicking the winning conversion for that. That would that would be oh yeah, that's right. Yes. That, that would that would be, be delicious. That though, wouldn't it? <laughs> it's typical of Warren Gatland that he came to Wales and picked the most boring Welsh name in the world for his child. <laughs> it's like Bryn is what yeah. somebody's like boring uncle is called, basically. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, it's actually a pretty popular name around these parts. These oh, days. is it really? Uh, uh, it's, yeah, among, among, you know, sort of middle class white people, you know. <laughs> <laughs> No, no. I don't middle think cl- there's going to be any like uh, you know, Fiki Toes called Bryn or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was there was of course it was Shantae Harpe, which was my favourite combination of names in the world. Who ended up playing? For oh England, yeah, Shantae Harpe. Yeah, I remember. I remember him. Poor Shantae, uh, his brain's totally jellied now. That's not even yeah, a joke. He's genuinely, genuinely unwell. He's had so much head yeah. trauma. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he's had a pretty. Uh, I wouldn't say tragic career, but it, it didn't exactly start off very well because he was a, he was a really gun player for the um, Warriors. The yeah, he played for team. Bradford Bulls up yeah, here for years. Yeah, 
yeah, incredible so, try scoring record. He was he came in and I think he got injured in like one of his first first games and he never came back and then ended up in Bradford and had a pretty good run up there and what he finished his career. Yeah, he's one of those he's one of those guys who when you mention his name down here, it's like um he'd be like a pub quiz question, you know, who, who played <laughs> for who played for the Warriors and then went on to play for uh for England and you're like, Oh, so his bloody name. Oh yeah, Shantanabi. Because you can't he, forget that name. His brain was so bad towards the end when he was playing in France towards the end of his career. Fabian Galtier, the old French scrum half, was the. I can't remember which club he was at. Can you remember, Josh? I can't remember. But anyway, uh, might be Montpellier. He got, but... he got penalised for lying on, and Galtier was was bollocking him at half time. And he said after he finished his career, Shantanabi said, "I couldn't bring myself to tell him I had no idea what he was talking about because I was unconscious." <laughs> Because every time he took a tackle, oh. he just passed out at the end. Oh wow! His brain oh, is so knackered. Can speak French. No, God, no! It's oh. just his, his brain was so knackered; he just kept passing. Oh out. wow! Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's that's sad. That's sad to hear because, um, yeah, he was. He, he we should have seen a lot more of him down here, uh, playing league at least. Yeah. You know. Well, so on, again, on that ray of sunshine about Shantai and Harpy's yeah. ruined brain. Yeah. Let's uh, let's. Uh, it's, it's fine though because he's a DJ now. Goes is under he? the stage name DJ Shape, according to uh, DJ, Wikipedia. That's so. S Harpy. He's done well there. I can see what he's done yeah. there. DJ Shape. Yeah. Sharp it, oh, yeah. Right. Uh, anyway, so that's the end of the Lions Tour talk, of which, Jamie, if anybody was feeling at all bright and hopeful about it, Jamie's put complete pay to that yeah. one. I'm sorry. I'm just I'm just reflecting the mood of the country. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what you're well, probably also doing is reflecting an entirely accurate summation I, of how yeah. things are going to go, let's be honest. I was going to try and give it a load of big talk about, oh, yeah, we'll come and surprise you, but I can't even muster the muster the, <laughs> the balls to do it because I just know it's not true. I will, I will say, I will give... Give them some credit. Uh, we're really looking forward to seeing Connor Murray. He's um, he's a guy that everyone in New Zealand's got a lot of time for, and we're really looking forward to injuring Johnny Sexton because that's not <laughs> really well, that's not hard. Most yeah. people could do that quite easily, but yeah, might so, not even get the opportunity to at this rate. Yeah, <laughs> that's the end of the Lions chat. Then let's move on to and Jamie's going to stay with us for the for the shit good ratings where we oh, cool. allocate people yeah, allocate some people for this. Do you want to start with shit, Josh, or do you want to start with good? Uh, I always like starting with shit. You know that. Let's go for it then. Do you want to go f- um, for the first shit? Yes, um, Dan Levy. It hurts me to say this because you know that I love him dearly, mm. but fuck, mate, be better at cheating. Yes. Like, players get held in at every single ruck. You don't need to be quite so naked about holding onto someone's ankle and robbing yourself of one of the best tries of the weekend. It's the fact that Rougie was about 10 foot away from the ruck and Levy still had yeah, the sock. Yeah, it was a huge <laughs> hole. He didn't need to do that. And he's like 100 years old. Rougie, like, yes. He was, not getting that, he was not getting into that gap. He just made Nigel and the TMO's job so easy. Be subtle, be clever. Don't be Martin Williams. Have you got any shits from the weekend, Jamie? Uh, yeah, I can give you a shit one from uh, from Super Rugby if you want. Yeah, Probably go. The oh, shittest yeah. Super Rugby game of recent times. Um, the Melbourne Rebels and the Sharks from South Africa <laughs> played out a 9 all draw. Uh, and and you see, for us Northern Hemisphere, that sounds like a brilliant game. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's why I brought it up. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, um, for us down here, um, it'll be used as a pretty useful cure for insomnia. Um, however, 
uh, I, I feel uh, right now there's all this uh, talk about how they're going to cut back the competition, and, yeah. and the Rebels are one one of the teams that's kind of in the firing line. Um, and hopefully, playing playing like this and and trying to drag teams down to their shitty level um, <laughs> isn't the way that they're going to justify <laughs> by playing out you know trialist draws. Uh, yeah, so, I saw. Yeah. I saw a great. Fuck, fuck, the, fuck those two teams, man. Like, because <laughs> the Sharks were actually have had a reputation of being horribly boring themselves in the last few years. Yes. But so they, the South African teams have actually come back and are actually really quite good this year. So mm. um, it was horrible to see them slip back into their shitty ways. I I saw a tweet where said where it said that the Sanzar made an announcement saying Super Rugby have announced that the Mel- Melbourne Storm may not continue to which the people of Melbourne responded who has said what about what <laughs> because yeah. they've got absolutely no, that's the kind that's, of level of enthusiasm that that's about right and, it, and it's kind of telling that you called them the Melbourne Storm because that's oh sorry yes one. yes oh. <laughs> slip of the tongue but yeah. if 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 you if the, the NRL said, things in yeah. if the NRL said that about the Melbourne Storm the people of Melbourne would probably say the same thing too except so. and they win things they actually win that's the thing yeah. Oh, yeah. That good. That good. That good team. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, shit from me. Now, here's what's my shit. Have you heard of Alex Corbisiero, Jamie? England prop. Uh, rings a bell. Gets yeah. injured. He's no, famous. No, he he's famous for rapping. Mm. Oh no. As in the urban style, <laughs> not as in the Christmas present style. This week, and every time he's on the television or interviewed by anybody, they ask him to do a rap. Oh, God, um, I fucking hate this. So this is basically what, what happened this week. And you're very funny, very articulate, and you're an incredible rapper. Can you put together a quick rap about your thoughts and feelings about the Lions going to New Zealand, please? You should have no, said on no. The but... On the spot, mate, you're a freestyle rapper. Yeah, freestyle All right. rapper. All right, I'm a freestyle rapper, and when I rap, I look dapper. Talking about the Lions <laughs> off to New Zealand, it gives me all the memories and all that tingly feeling. I don't understand why people say glass ceiling. These guys are coming in, that championship, they're reeling. Soon they're going to lift it. It ain't going to stop it. Lions on the mic and Lions on the topic. <laughs> <laughs> Why are they laughing? Why are they encouraging I'm, him? I, they I'm not laughing. I assumed they were laughing at him. But it's, um, people love it. I'm the only person white. in the world, I think, very who doesn't white. find it charming in the slightest. It's fucking yeah. horrible. Also, like LG, LG, was... but without the, uh, <laughs> without the comedy. But, but Corbusier was born in Queens in New York, so he is technically not entirely disqualified from a little bit of rapping. But Jesus fuck, I wish he would. Do you fancy having to go to free? Do you fancy having to go to freestyle rap, Josh? No, but see, that, that's what you say. <laughs> that's what he should have said. No, I don't. Freestyle rap. No, I so, don't. No. Hugo Monnier. <laughs> yeah, absolutely horrific. Just, any more? Any more from you? Won the Lions tour. Let's not forget. He did. Yes, scored a try in the Lions uh, tour. Can I just can I just jump in there? That was against a very <laughs> terrible Australian team. Oh, yeah, yeah, we we did but make terribly we'll hard take, work of that. We'll yeah. take anything. Yeah, we did make very hard work of that. We'll take what we can get these days. But still, <laughs> sorry, I just he's had to man, bring that up. Oh, that's fair enough. But he, he's a man who's won a Lions tour, and he's reducing himself to in retirement, rapping on command from a B-list England winger of the late two thousands. <laughs> <laughs> what is New Zealand going on down to the Lions and that tour will require people take lots of irons and so on 
See, think, it's yeah, easy. You might actually give him a run for his money in the MCing stakes, to be honest, mate. <laughs> right, right, any more shit? Um, high tackle laws. Remember when they were enforced, the new ones? Yeah, and we all thought mm, the when... game was going to be over. Yeah, and then it lasted for about a fortnight, and now apparently all that player safety stuff that they were banging on about, don't worry about it, because it's exactly how it used to be. What? Yeah. <laughs> What was your what, what was, was the all... feeling down in New Zealand about the high tackle laws, Jamie? Uh well it sort of happened in the off season mm, um, of course, yeah. down here. So we were all we were all busy watching cricket. Um, <laughs> no you weren't. I've seen I've seen of, footage was... of test team tests from New Zealand. Four people watch cricket in a park with a dog. <laughs> yeah, we stay at home and watch <laughs> Yeah, anyway, go on. Um uh, so it was more like stuff would pop up in our Facebook feeds about, uh, you know, look at this absurd decision that got made <laughs> and look at this ridiculous yellow and red card. And um, the only time it actually really uh, kind of took any effect here was there was a Provincial Sevens tournament. We have a Provincial Sevens tournament, which, like, again, nobody nobody bloody watches because no one cares about Sevens down here anymore. <laughs> um and it seemed like every tackle was getting penalised and it seemed like there was at least three yellow cards in every game, which in a game of sevens is like <laughs> fucking yes. stupid. Yeah. Uh, and I think that was the catalyst for the referees to go away and go, well, we can't have this happen um, this year. And so once Super Rugby started, I think we've, we've seen a few um, shots this year that got pinged and yellowed um, that probably wouldn't have last year, but I think the general reaction from the public has been, okay, that's fair enough. I mean, we can't have people getting smacked in the head. And it got to the point once where I think TJ Perinara head hide someone against the Highlanders and pretty much asked the referee for yellow card. He said, oh, please, just, just give me, I'll, I'll go. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll leave. Um, so I think the players have kind of got on board with it. They've, had a, they've probably had a few months more to get used to it um, than the Northern Hemisphere guys. So... Hmm. Uh, part of me is like, well, it's it's either they're either not enforcing it, or the players are actually, you know, responding to it and not tackling high. So, so, uh, so you know, there, there's here, two ways you can look at it. The other way, yeah, certainly oh, up really? here, it's the breath. The refs have just gone back to how it used to be. Like, there's high shots left, right, and centre, and they're just not bothering to ping it anymore. They're just, which... they're just calling it a rugby incident now, aren't they? That's the latest right. phrase. Yeah. That's what I mean. Nigel yeah. Owens always did that. He just didn't pay much yeah. attention to it at all. Because that's just well, Nigel Owens would prefer if rugby didn't have rules. Full stop. I think. Yeah. So we could just wander around that's... having a chat with people. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Even I mean, the... um, I, I, I think Nigel Owens is a fine referee, and he's certainly held in high regard down here. He's he's got this kind of aura around him now that he can absolutely do no wrong, <laughs> which that's for a referee true, isn't yeah. the right way to be. Looking yeah. at him, but he seems like a nice. It's a, I think he just gets off on the fact that he's obviously a nice guy, um, like off the pitch, uh, and so no one wants to criticise him. Um, but w- uh, it's really interesting watching a game that he referees because it certainly does seem like it's a, a different set of laws, um, and especially uh, with when it comes to TMOs, uh, he mm. he seems to like completely disregard whatever TMO says if he doesn't agree with it. Which again, it's like I have I don't have a problem with that. Like he's a ref, he's like, he's in charge. Uh, so yeah, I mean that was just a little aside on yeah the how the, o- the overuse of the TMO is the bane of my life. There should be some very strict <laughs> rules brought in about when it's actually allowed to be used. I don't want to go into it now, but they're okay. just they're, they're basically just they're just it's just ridiculous and it's uh but I'll leave that because people who've listened to this pod before don't want to hear me go through this again. 
Uh, so I'll save it for another time. <laughs> also, Josh, yes, I can see Josh yes, shaking his I've head. Def- and... Definitely not heard that at least <laughs> half a dozen times in the last 18 months. What? Um, and any more shits from you, Mr. Wall? Uh, no, no, it was a pretty good weekend. I mean, the only uh, the ongoing shit thing down here is the Blues. Uh, I don't know if you've been following yes, too much yes, Super Rugby. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is a real shame because they're, they're stacked up with some really talented players, especially in the mm. backs. Mm. Um, and they just can't. The only the biggest problem is they're just not. They just can't beat the other New Zealand teams. <laughs> Pardon me. That New Zealand conference and, um, is a bit of a joke, though, isn't it? But I don't mean that. I mean it's very good. But if you put the Blues in any other conference, then it yeah, be a different. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, and that's that's the problem they have, and it must be really difficult for their players um, uh, at the moment because you know they're um, you know they're trying their best, uh, but they're, they're all very young. Um, Mm. The, I think the oldest guy in the back line is uh, is Sonny Bill Williams, who again is a a, a new player um, this mm. year. Um, the, 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 they, there are some really bright spots though. Um, Gus Palu, the halfback, uh, like he potentially could be in the All Blacks um, for the Lions tour. Um, and and the midfield has been going pretty well. Um, Rico Ioane's playing really well. He mm, might again might be in the All Blacks. Yeah. Some player that line. Um, mm-hmm. George George Moala as well yeah. I mean these are all guys that are all knocking on the door of the All Blacks um, the biggest problem is they haven't had uh, like a really good first five and I feel really bad saying this because like I know Piers Francis he's, he's a good guy and everything um, but he hasn't helped by the fact that he, he hasn't been started the whole season um, so they're going to they, they're, they're always constantly looking for a first five you look at all the other New Zealand teams and they've got like world class First fives, mm, yeah. um, and saying that he has just got selected for England, so so you know maybe that'll help him out. But he's not going to be, and, oh, course, and yeah, he's yeah. not going to be around next year. So, um, uh, I yeah, so that 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 is just the ongoing shitstorm of the of the Blues. Shit for me. What? How do you feel about James Haskell, Jamie? <laughs> oh, he's that guy who just pops up and acts like a lad on the YouTube every now and then. Yes. <laughs> He's a bell Does he end. still play rugby? Yes. <laughs> oh, he does. Yeah, I don't. Oh, okay. yeah, oh, yeah. I don't. Oh, he, came yeah. Down, he came down and tried to play rugby here one year. Of course he did, um, didn't he? I can't remember, yes. can't yeah, remember he him getting on the field. You don't sound like you like him very much, so you can stay. You're oh, right. no, no. He's, he's okay. Like, he, he, sorry. He just. Um, no, he isn't. He just no, just stick, stick with your first answer. He's, a, he's an awful person. Just stick with your first answer. Okay. All right. Yeah, he's, he does very much, um, for me, embody. Uh, what a lot of New Zealanders think about English rugby players, um, <laughs> yes. which is that they he he quite clearly went to a, a school that costs a lot of money. Yes, um, he probably wears a sweater around his neck um, most days. Uh, he drinks probably drinks a lot um, and goes out with the lads, lads, lads all the time. Um, and we have a lot of them come down here, um, not just to play rugby, just to just I don't know, hang around here and tell us how great. Englanders, um, which, which, which gets a bit tiresome after about after the time you're after you're about twenty one. Well, just uh, to just to be clear, I can't stand James Haskell, and okay. it's shit this week because he's brought out his own clothing line. Oh fuck me, he hasn't. He, he has, and do you know what it's called? James Haskell. That's, oh no. God, of course it is. James Haskell's okay. clothing line, James Haskell, as promoted by James Haskell. Oh, I've just promoted it, it for him now, haven't I? Is it all well, incredibly deep V-necks? And... Yeah. 
Yeah. I can imagine what it's like. It's right, mostly zip up against. hoodies and all that, I think, and scoop neck oh, t shirts and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, that's shit for me. That is his never ending, continuing social media and now lifestyle presence will never seem to go away. Yeah, okay. he's a pretty, he's a shameless self promoter, isn't he? Yes. <laughs> that's the polite yes. way of putting it. We'll leave it at that. Any more shits from you, Josh? Um, one shit that's vaguely Super Rugby related, but also not, is the notion this week that um, the two teams that are getting culled from South African Super Rugby are going to join the Pro 12, which there are a variety what? of reasons why that is. Yeah, apparently that's being... So in the Pro 12's desperate attempts to get money from somewhere, anywhere, <laughs> apparently they're going to chuck money at the fucking Kings and the cheaters. Has the American thing gone away then? So now they're trying South Africa. I don't even know what. Maybe they're just going to have all countries in the world playing in the Pro 12 (laughs) badly. Like Well, like Super Rugby tried. Just keep going forever. Let's have a franchise on the moon. Let's go. (laughs) Yes, so that's a fucking terrible idea. Um, However, it would be quite funny because the cheaters would probably win the Pro 12. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm not so sure about the Kings, but the Cheetahs definitely. Uh, the Kings uh, beat the Waratahs on the weekend. They did. So there you go. In, in Sydney. So which, there you go. That's which, the oh, proudest achievement of the air existence. Yes, which I think was quite a fair play to them. They might be getting shit-canned, but they're going out with a vague sense of pride, which is more than you can say for the Rebels. Well, obviously, them yep. beating the Waratahs is good, which probably brings us gently into the good nominations Indeed. for this week. We've already mentioned drop goals. Uh, which yes. I, which I think is good. Well, yeah, you, you see, you guys, Jamie. You guys still do those? Well, you see, Jamie, this is the thing. I was with you for years. I hated drop goals. I thought they were a horrendous uh, sort of e- too easy a way to get points. They ruined games. They were a nightmare. Then, for years and years, they disappeared. Nobody did them anymore. So it became a bit of a nostalgia thing, like disco or high-waisted trousers or something. And the summer's like, well, maybe I, maybe they should come back and we should try them again. You see, then when you put the high-waisted trousers on, you go, what the fuck am I doing? And that's happened That's happened with drop goals, I think, hasn't it, Josh? In that yes, well, we have, now they're yeah, starting to happen a bit too yeah. often again, so we hate them again now. Yeah, I don't like them now that they are being done, what, four times in four games. That's too many. Don't oh, like too it. Many. So we've already speaking covered... Of actually, speaking of which on good fronts, actually, Camille Lopez... Yes. When did that happen? When did he go from flaky fatty to one of the more dependable fly-offs in Europe? Like, he was really good for France in the Six Nations. He was brilliant and composed for Clermont on Saturday. I don't like it at all. No. Like, when Fre- I like my when... French fly-offs <laughs> mercurial, mad, and incredibly unreliable. And no, too sensible. Don't like it. Linked into that on a good point of view was Morgan Parra as well. Yeah. And I feel that with my... With my growing love for the likes of Hamish Watson and Ross Moriarty, I feel I've I've, I've neglected Morgan Parra for a little bit too long. Yeah. I he, mean, you've been you've been you've had your head turned by Baptiste Serin. That's not I've, and have I have had my head turned by Baptiste Serin? Yeah, with his with his his elven face. But um, <laughs> I do think that and Morgan Parra was there to, this weekend to remind me just what you know a little cute, insouciant French scrum half is all about. He was brilliant in his sort of slightly annoying way. Oh, he's incredibly annoying, but that's what's great about him. The Reese Webb thing. Yes. Furious. Yes. Um, Vincent Cock, uh, Saracen's prop, was very good for me. Yes, Um, yes. 
he absolutely mullered Dave Claudine in the scrum and uh, nuisance over the ball as well, which I didn't expect. Um, is there nothing that Saracens players can't do? It's just uh, yes, it's just ridiculous. Even the props are fucking good. It's depressing. <laughs> Any good from you, Jamie, down there in Super Rugby? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's um, probably going to come as absolutely no surprise to either of you, but it's um, Bowden Barrett. Um, he's played uh, probably some, probably the best rugby he's ever played in the last couple of weeks. Um, this last Great. two games. Brilliant. Um, oh, good. Yeah. So he's, he's, he's just tuning up, you know. <laughs> Up, um, and his and his bro- <laughs> and uh, along along with that, his brother um, is playing. He looks very well. good, doesn't he? Yeah, his brother's um, a fullback, so isn't he? Pretty much. Sorry, go on. Is his brother a fullback? Uh, his brother can actually play anywhere you want. Um, <laughs> he can do anything. Lock because he's about six foot six. He is very tall, isn't he? With a very, he's got a face like a pickaxe, a very pickaxey nose. Yeah, is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, he's actually he's he's down as a utility back. Um, I think he played a bit of first five. Sorry, what do you go fly half? Fly half, yeah. Um, uh, last year uh, in the Mighty Ten Cup, um, but he has um he's definitely popped up on the wing at fullback and at uh, fly half. Right. Let's and clarify I wouldn't this. Be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if he could play twelve or thirteen as well. How many brothers has Bowden Barrett got? Ah, <laughs> uh, it? I think there's eight of them. You are joking. Uh, that in, no, no, that includes his sisters. So there's, I think there's four, <laughs> there's four that have played pro rugby. He had an older brother called Kane, and it's a bit of a shame what happened to him. He he got hit by the concussions as oh, well. Uh, uh, he had a season. He had a season with the Blues. So he he was concussed and he sort of has gone away and he hasn't really ever come back, which is yeah, like a real shame. And then there's Scott who's playing at the Crusaders who um who played a couple of tests on the uh, end of year tour last year. Right. And then there's Geordie, who is pretty much a shoo-in for the All Blacks now, and Bowden. And uh, I think I think that's it for the rugby players. And he's got like four sisters as well who all play netball or something. I don't know. They could probably get, <laughs> and they could probably get in the Scottish team. Let's be honest. Yeah. So uh, the the um, sorry Scotland fans out there, I do apologise. The um, good for me is Chris Wiles for Saracens, the USA winger who came on. He's- He's very good, isn't he? He's and he looks. He's got. He looks like a kind of shitter version of Nick Cage. <laughs> he's got like a Nicolas Cage face, and he's slightly balding now. And yet he's yes. just. He's just supremely effective and efficient. Did you see the reason why he's in here mainly? Did you see that one-handed take he did when they tried to cross kick over his head? Yeah, that was. He just jumped up he's... in the air and just hooked it out of the air with one hand. I think we said this before, but I don't think he gets any credit purely for the fact that he's an American. Yes. And we just assume that he's a bit shit because what do they know about playing rugby? But no, he is very, and particularly as an American back, there's not a great deal of them down the years. But yeah. He's but he tends to be coming very... off the bench these days, doesn't he? But yeah, he's still just excellent when he comes on. And <laughs> he came yeah, up, no, scored a try, really... one-handed take. Thank you very much. He's exactly what Saracens are about, though, isn't he? He's sublimely and supremely unfussy. He's not going to do anything that's going to completely drop your jaw. He'll just do his job incredibly well. He's a solid 8 out of 10 player every game. I hate players like that. They're well (laughs) annoying. (laughs) Yes. Um, Anything else good from you, Jamie? Uh, Just, um, I guess the momentum for the Lions has been good like now that they've named the squad and yeah. and uh, I think uh the the what you're seeing now is a lot more media coverage 
lot more hype. Um, Are you genuinely excited really... about it down there? Is it a Sorry? big? Is it a huge event down there? Like it is for us? Every oh yeah. Four years? Oh yeah. It's it's this is huge. Like this is. Um, I mean, obviously the World Cup was was the biggest biggest sporting event to happen here, and well, probably ever. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, this is big. This is uh, there'll be uh, especially when all the all the fan the fans actually get here. Um, you know, uh, there'll be uh, there's massive amounts of tourist events um, going on. Obviously, you know, our tourism's a big industry for us down here. Um, and they're all looking to cash in on, on the whole thing. Um, there's going to be camper vans going up and down the country uh, like there were um, back in t- 2005. Will the rugby fans sort um, of bump into the Lord of the Rings fans? And what will happen <laughs> yeah. then? Yeah, yeah. Whole- <laughs> that'll, be, that'll be some bar, It'll won't it, when they, when they yeah. get together? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's just this big kind of, you know, like a tour used to be like in the old days where the whole roadshow would sort of move through the country. And I think it's probably a bit, you know, I'm old enough to remember what tours, you know, old school tours were like back in the day. And when it's in New Zealand, it, you know, being a national sport, you just can't get away from it. Mm. You really can't. It's a bit probably a bit different in the UK where, you know, rugby is, you know, while it's still a big sport, it's, yeah. it's not like it's secondary completely grabbed the attention sec- of every single person. You know, like, yeah, yeah. like yeah. When, when the All Blacks play, there's probably a Premier League going game going on across the road that's got just as many people in it. Hmm. But, yeah. you know, down, down here, it really is the only thing that's going on. You know, the, the, the streets will be empty when, when the games are on, when the, when the tests are on. Um, and you'll be struggling to find a place in a bar uh, to watch a game. So, yeah, it, it is a huge deal. And it's, and it's, it's really starting to build up now. Any more I good from you, Josh? Uh, Any points on that one? On that point, actually, like I think, as fans of both the All Blacks and the Lions, it's, it's worth remembering that we should probably appreciate this tour because it's probably going to be the last one that is like this—the proper old school, play a shitload of games, spend the best part of a month in the country, sort of thing. All of the, all of the signs are pointing that future Lions tours will be a lot shorter. And we'll probably not have nearly as much of that sort of old school vibe. And it's a massive shame, but it's it's probably not going to happen again. So we should probably make the most of it and enjoy it. Yeah, I I, I agree with that. Um, I think that I think that putting putting the Lions up against the Super Rugby teams um, was is a bit of a surprise. Like everyone mm. thought, hang on, like we thought they might play one. And yeah. I played the rest against you know proper provincial teams, mm. um, but I think that the gap between uh, you know like Mitre Ten Cup or you know like basically provincial rugby here and professional rugby is so big that mm. what you'd find was the Lions would win all those games by like seventy points, and yeah. then you know yeah. in the test. So there's really no point. But the problem now is is that New Zealand Super Rugby is so strong mm. that like I said, like I can't actually see the Lions actually beating them yeah and so they could they could come out of this tour with like an owen what seven record yeah um which would which like you said would probably put the nail in the, in the coffin um and i mean just if if i could just, i mean my projection for what's going to happen with the lions in the future is that they're not going to play they're not going to come over here at all they're probably going to end up playing tests like in chicago new york or yeah. boston somewhere like that and that's that's what they're going to if that's, that's what's what, going to end up being. If that's what's going to happen, they might as well just turn it in. They should. I, I remember when I was at the Lions launch, whenever it was back in November, Gatlin sort of let slip. And I don't know whether anybody really picked up on it, 
he said like we were talking about playing all this like going down and having a proper tour and he basically said yeah well this is going to be the last one that's like this and it's going to be a proper tour and i don't really think that that's been officially announced but mm. obviously they've told him that and he's kind of wants i think he wants to go out with a bit of a bang with it and also he wants to make sure that the squad isn't as you say they don't, he doesn't want to play five games against inferior opposition he knows that the only way that they're going to have any hope of getting going into a test not slightly undercooked is to go through the fucking ringer mm. for five games in front of it but yeah it will be a massive shame if it does re- if they are just playing odd tests in fucking Chicago or Hong Kong or wherever because well they just be- they just become the Harlem Globetrotters then yeah and who's interested in watching that really no, no. one yeah i i guess that though it's kind of come full circle though because that's what they started out as yeah yeah they were they were rugby's missionaries going around mm. um the the globe sort of spreading the good word and yeah. now i guess uh, because it would take what the fucking six months just to get anywhere in those days <laughs> yeah, that they might true. as well stay and play 20 <laughs> yeah. games and then watch three of their players die of cholera while they were there. <laughs> and so, so I think nowadays, you know, given that, you know, you can go anywhere you like that yeah. perhaps uh, if they did end up doing what we just said, you know, just playing these one-off tests in far-flung places that at least the spirit of what they were set up to do, is still, you know, is still yeah. going on. Well, that's one way of looking at it, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess you know, but it's just too similar to the Barbars for me. Then you know, it's like. Yeah, but the Barbars only play at home, and the yeah, that's the true. Lions only ever play away. Maybe you should go and play like Georgia and people like that. Well, yeah, that's. I mean, that that was the um, when when the tour schedule came out. And it was like everyone here was like, "Well, they're not going to win a game." Uh, the first re- <laughs> the first reaction was that we should send them off to um, the islands to go play against them. Yeah, uh, because that would do a lot more juice than them coming here. <laughs> I mean, yeah. probably not financially, but yeah. at least for rugby, you'd be yeah. And go to Argentina, go to Japan, yeah. go to yeah. these kind of places. Yeah, oh, I don't think you'd do very well in Argentina. No, <laughs> those guys are but... good now. Remember. <laughs> But they rack up so many air miles that they're hopeless. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> oh, don't get me started on the jig. The <laughs> Los, Los Jaguares. I don't know. Yeah, that's another. That's a conversation for another day. Oh, yeah. They're brilliant to watch, though, aren't yeah. they? Oh, they're great fun. Oh, yeah. when they want, when they want to be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, but um, yeah. The other. They days... haven't had a thirty-seven hour flight, and they can barely see in front of their faces. <laughs> they're fine. Oh. <laughs> I literally yeah. think it's still last Tuesday, and they want me to throw line outs in now. Because I'm so fucking jet lagged. <laughs> that's that's the life of a Aguilaras player. Right. Yeah, but at least they're good. The su- the Sunwolves have to do that, and they're not even very good. The Sunwolves yeah. are my favourite rugby life, team of the, all time. Life, so. well, life of a Sunwolves player must be really kind of messed up. Let's face oh, it. they get to watch a lot of. They get to binge watch a lot of TV series. Oh time. yeah, you know, like that's that's fun. Like they they would have watched so much. You know, like like the wire, they would have got through all of that in one like yeah. one flight. You know, um, you know, <laughs> I I I, w- I just went up to Hong Kong and I watched all of Westworld, and I, that was just great. You know, although the whole of my trip was being on the plane, so you know, it's not like they're not having a good time. Yeah. Le- we're going to finish they're, they're, now. They're... I'll leave I'll leave it on this point. When Jamie was in Hong Kong, was it right you were wearing a white tuxedo jacket to the sevens with shorts? Did yeah, I yeah, see a right. did I see a picture of I that? I've got a lot of respect for that. My mate was there on a stag do and they were all painted as Smurfs. 
Oh, I saw them. Yeah, we met with one of them. Away from them because I donn't want to get any paint on my nice. Oh, that would be a bad mix. That would be a bad mix. Jamie, it's been great. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you, boys. Um, we'll um, we'll have you on again nearer. We'll have you on nearer to the tour. We'll try and organise it when yep. maybe there's a bank holiday or not. It's quite early in the morning <laughs> down oh. there. Are you going back to bed now? To... <laughs> oh no, mate. Sun's up. Time to go to the gym. <laughs> um, yeah, I got. I'm actually still playing, so I've got to keep in keep in shape uh, for the weekend. All right, then, mate. Thanks very much. Yeah. Speak no, to you thanks soon. for having me. Thank you. Thank yeah, you very much. And Josh, we will see you, and we'll speak to all you listeners again next week. Take care. Bye-bye. Take care, everybody. Bye. Oh, no. Is it everywhere? No. Sure. Stay and sort that out. We can have dinner another time. Amazing. Whether it's cancelled plans... Ah, to get in the kitchen and calm down. ...or the need for a quick, convenient distraction. Introducing Goodfellas Mini Pizzas. Four mini pizzas made with respect that cook in 11 minutes. Goodfellas Minis. Embrace the unexpected. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.